Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Primal Potential is about you. Your ability to change is not defined by yesterday and doesn't need to wait until tomorrow. Your transformation is now. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. I'm a little nervous about this episode. And I don't usually feel nervous. I don't even know that I've ever felt nervous to do a podcast episode. Certainly some episodes have been hard. Uh, you know, the first time that I shared that I was getting divorced years ago, that was that was a little hard. And um, definitely the podcast episode that we recorded to let everybody know that our daughter had died was hard. But I wasn't nervous to, to record those episodes. And I'll tell you what we're talking about today and why it makes me a little bit nervous. But I want to first say that one of the most important things we can do when we feel a little bit of like trepidation or reservation is move forward boldly. So that's what I'm doing today. Today we're talking about expectations. More specifically, we're talking about unmet expectations Every few months, I, I post one of my favorite quotes on Instagram, and I keep reposting it because I think it's so important, and I know that it's so important to many of you because of the responses that it gets, but essentially, this post says, don't expect you from other people. Don't expect the way you would respond from other people. Don't expect the way you would feel from other people. Don't expect the way you would act from other people. And inevitably, every time I share this, people are like, oh, that's so good. Oh, I need to work on this. Oh, this is such a tough thing for me. Me too. Me too. And I shared it recently. It got the same kinds of comments and the same intensity of response. And it initiated so many direct messages from people saying like, okay, but but how, right? I get it. It's not healthy. And often it's not, it's not fair to expect our response from somebody else. But how do we do that? Because so many people, myself included, get our feelings hurt when people don't act or show up in the way that we expect them to. And this can happen in the smallest of ways. We expect our partner to start dinner when they know we're working late and then they don't and then we're disappointed, right? Or we expect our kids to say thank you and they don't. So then we're upset or we expect our friend to call and check in on us. And then when they don't, we're disappointed. How do we do that? How do we do that? That's what we're going to be talking about today. And I'll share first why this episode makes me a little nervous. In the last few months, this has been one of the primary things that I've been working on is my expectations of other people. Because if you have ever lost someone close to you, um, how people show up, if people show up, is one of the challenging parts of of mourning, of grieving. And for us in losing Dagny, it was even more so because we lost our daughter right at the start of the COVID-19 shutdown. So it wasn't just like 
people either show up or they didn't. There was this other confounding variable here with with the quarantine and people being afraid. So with friends, with family members, uh, with clients, I have struggled every single day with unmet expectations, this gap between what you thought it would be like, what you thought people would do, what you thought people would say, and what they actually did say. And it's not that this has just been a thing for me in the last few months. It's just become way more of a thing for me. But I'm not unlike any of you in that every day I have expectations of Chris. Every day I have expectations of friends. Every day I have expectations of of clients and customers, right? Like I have an expectation that when people email me, they're going to be kind and courteous. And that, uh, that expectation goes unmet regularly, and it happens for so many people. So how do we deal with these unmet expectations? Because we agree that we can't expect us from someone else. I cannot expect that you are going to react the way that I would react or that you are going to communicate the way I would communicate. I can't expect that your priorities are my priorities. So how do we make this shift? How do we stop getting our feelings so hurt? And I guess I didn't really finish that thought on on why this makes me nervous. I really don't know how much of my family listens to this podcast. I know my mom does, and that's all I know. I could assume that nobody else really listens because I don't hear from them about it. Um, But I don't know that to be true. So there could be people listening to this who I express, I won't name names, um, who I feel like have not met my expectations, right? And I'm not sharing this to call anybody out or to hurt anybody, but really for the broader purpose that serves all of us to find this place where we don't feel like a doormat and we're building incredible relationships, but we're also not constantly suffering from the pain of unmet expectations. Because I believe wholeheartedly that we should have relationships that make us happy and that make us feel loved and that make us feel seen and cared for and all of those things, that is critical. But sometimes we're going through and we have expectations that we've never communicated. We have expectations that only live in our own minds. In fact, I would say that's the way it is the majority of the time. And I'll be the first one to say that I have communicated expectations very little since Dagny died. So I know and I own that many of the people who haven't met my expectations didn't ever hear a clear expectation from me, right? And that's that's a part of the story. It's not just, oh, all these people let me down. I have to own my part in it, which is I did not verbalize my expectation. And for me and for all of us, there are often reasons for that. But I think that that ownership is a critical part of removing the sting that comes when somebody did not meet our expectations. I'll just reiterate for, for my own peace of mind that this is not to, to call anybody out, right? Um, but this is rather to discuss a series of tools that can help us all feel more peaceful, The gap between what we expect and what we experience doesn't have to be this crappy, angry, disappointed, lonely place. 
If you've ever felt that, whether it's because you expected them to empty the dishwasher or you expected them to call on your birthday or you whatever, it doesn't matter if it's something really, really big or it's something really, really small. The gap between what we expect and what we experience doesn't have to be a crappy place. In fact, it can be a very, very powerful place. It can be one of the most critical tools that you ever experience, that you ever get access to, to create what you want. So the number one thing we have to know about unmet expectations is that we have to use them. We have to use them. And I will be the first one to say that many times I haven't used them. I've just felt crappy about them. And I've just kind of pouted and stomped my feet and I don't like you anymore. You let me down. That doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good for us. It doesn't feel good for the other people. And it doesn't create any change. We get to use unmet expectations We can use them to create stronger relationships. We can use them to create more of what we want in our lives. And we can use them to become better communicators ourselves. So let's start with using it to to really create what you want for your life. One thing I've noticed about unmet expectations is that they have the power to illuminate for us what it is that we really want. And using the example of the unmet expectations that Chris and I have experienced since Dagny died, it has, because we've chosen to use it, because we've chosen to not just stuff it down and ignore it and be hurt by it, even though there have been moments of all of that, we have faced it and said, this points out for us, this illuminates for us what we want for our friends and our family. It tells us what kind of family we want to be. It tells us what kind of friends we want to be. It tells us what we need to create that we're currently lacking. And while that is painful, I will be the first person to say it is extremely painful sometimes. It is even more powerful. So I don't know that I would have felt this way before losing Dagny, right? I know I feel this way now, and I believe I would have felt this way before, but there's no way to know for sure, right? If someone in my family loses a child, I will be there. I will be there if I have to wear a hazmat suit. I will be there if I have to walk through the night. I will be there. Now, there's pain that comes with that because the vast majority, the dramatic majority of both of our families did not show up for the wedding, uh, the wedding, the funeral or uh, the wake or in the weeks and months since. Nothing. No presence. That hurts. I'm not here to say that the point of this is to remove pain. I want you to know that that pain is a tool that shows you what is important to you and then you have to do something with it. So even if It's as small as, I don't want anybody to think that this doesn't apply to them because I'm using examples in the context of grief. Even if it is as small as, I'm hurt that you didn't think to say, can I start dinner when you knew I had a rough day or you knew I wasn't feeling well or you knew I was working late. You get to use that to say, I want to have that kind of relationship where we're looking for ways to help and support the other person. So then what do you need to change? What conversations do you need to have to create that relationship? 
where you are looking for ways to serve the other person. You are looking for ways to make their day easier. If you are experiencing pain because you don't have that right now or you didn't have that that day or in that moment or under those circumstances, use that as a tool to say, I'm seeing how important this is to me. How can we create this? And what is my role in creating this? Because Chris and I have now had dozens of conversations about how we want to show up, the kind of family we want to create. Yes, it hurts that we don't have that family right now. And and again, I am sensitive to the fact that I don't want to upset people listening to this who, whether it's friends or I give examples of, you know, friends, clients, family, my mom, my sister, they showed up. My aunt, my cousin, they showed up. Um, But the vast majority of our family, uh, family that was local, family that wasn't, didn't and haven't. So that's what I mean when I say like as a whole, as an aggregate, neither one of us have what we want, what is important to us. So we are using that pain to inform what it is that we want to create. And it's from that pain that we both agreed that we want to have as many children as God will bless us with. Because I never want my child to experience the loneliness that Chris and I experienced in the aftermath of losing Dagny, that we're still experiencing. So one of the great ways to to handle unmet expectations is to look at what they show you you want, is to look at what they are telling you is important to you. And then what are you going to do to create that? What are you going to do to create that? The other thing that needs to be a part of this conversation about dealing with unmet expectations is using it to become a better communicator. Did this person in your life know that you had this expectation. Sometimes we just want people to do it the way we want them to do it without ever having to have told them. And that's just not fair or reasonable because they have different perspectives. They see things differently. They think about things differently. They don't have your experience of it. So use it to become a better communicator use it to become a better communicator. I did this um, just the other day. We had been traveling and the person that we were, were traveling to visit had asked a few times if we would like, oh, we need to get a picture. You know, I want to get a picture of you and Chris, this, that, and the other thing. And I was feeling really uncomfortable and I was feeling misunderstood, but I hadn't communicated it. And what what I was recognizing in myself, and I'll be honest, it took um, a few hours for me to to realize that it was important for me to communicate it. I kind of sat in the discomfort for a while. It feels too soon for me to smile for the camera. And it might not feel too soon for somebody else, right? But where I'm at right now, it feels very uncomfortable and it feels fake. It's just too soon. But I didn't communicate that. So a few hours later, after I kind of realized what was going on and why I felt uncomfortable, I said, hey, I don't want to come across as ungrateful. I don't want to come across as disconnected. I know from your perception, it's been a few months since Dagny died. For me, it feels like it's been a few minutes. And for that reason, 
it's still too soon for me to feel like I want to pose for a picture. I just need to be in in my pain, right? We have to communicate those expectations. No different than if you walk in and your partner knew you had a, a late night or you're working late or it was a bad day and you expected that they would have texted and said, what do you want for dinner? Let me start it. Or that you would walk in and dinner would be ready and you walk in and you know they're on the couch watching TV and you're upset. Did I communicate this expectation? Hey, I would really love it if, since today has been long, since today has been hard, if you could start dinner. I'm in the mood for X, Y, Z. And I will be the first to say, it feels really great to have things happen that we don't have to explicitly express. But that's a process. That's a process. And we have a huge responsibility in that process. The more that we verbalize our expectations, the more quickly we get to the point where they're, they're understood. And we have that kind of relationship that so many of us want where the person can more appropriately anticipate our needs. Chris and I went through this for, oh, at least six or seven months, honestly, where I would have to say, look, if I have a late webinar, if I have a late meeting, let's talk about what time we're going to eat. Do I want to eat before or after? Because like sometimes I'll have a meeting at eight o'clock at night and I won't be done until nine. Okay. I would really love to eat at seven. If you could handle dinner tonight, that would be awesome so that I can take the time. Yes, I would have loved if he just divined out of his mind, hey, it would be really sweet if I could offer this to Elizabeth, but it takes time in communicating that. And now we're at the point where he knows. When I say I have an eight o'clock meeting, he'll almost always, if he's around, he'll almost always say, what time do you want to eat? And what would you like? It took months of repeated communication about the expectation I had. It wasn't his expectation that if I'm working late, he does dinner. It was my expectation. So I had to communicate that over time, over time. And sometimes we just don't take the responsibility in that. How can we use this missed expectation, this gap between what actually happened and what we hoped would happen to become a better communicator? Don't let your ego get in the way of this. I talk to so many clients who say, I shouldn't have to say anything. Says who? Says who? And here's the deal. If you are experiencing unmet expectations, so is somebody in your life, right? While you might think they're on the side of offending you or letting you down, you have to realize that for every time you feel that way about them, they're feeling that way about you. And if you're like me, and I imagine you, you are in this regard, you don't want to be behind somebody else's unmet expectations. So becoming a better communicator helps in both ways. And that doesn't mean that you have to communicate it directly every time forever, but for a while. I see this a lot in couples with regards to sex. Somebody feels like, well, if it's been a few days, you should initiate. Well, have you communicated that? Have you done your part? What are the reasons that they aren't initiating sex? Is it because they're not going to do it when you've been nagging all day? Have you had conversations about expectations? Your expectation is that they'll initiate after a certain period of time. Their expectation is that if you want that kind of physical intimacy, then you're going to create that kind of emotional intimacy. They have to be created and communicated very explicitly 
repeatedly, and then you get on the same page about it, and that's not needed anymore, or at least for a while until expectations change, and then you do it over again. How can you use this to become a better communicator? I have asked myself this so many times, and and I acknowledge that my experience with unmet expectations around grief is different than unmet expectations around dinner or around sex, but the same rules and tools apply. For me, in the first, gosh, I don't know, probably eight weeks after Dagny died, I wasn't thinking about the expectations. I wasn't like clear enough mentally to do that work. And now that I am, a lot of time has gone by. And that's one of the, the tricky things about unmet expectations is that the more time that goes by and you don't address it, the more resentment that builds. And I noticed this the other day when I kind of checked myself and said, I feel like I'm moving into like an angry part of this grief phase. Not angry at the world that she died. Certainly not angry at God that she died, but like angry at people. Uh, angry at people in my life. And that's only because so much time has gone by and I haven't expressed what my expectations were. Then me expressing them doesn't mean that people are going to meet them, right? In fact, sometimes it can hurt more when you express it and they're not met. And that's often one of the reasons that people don't express them. Because it's easier if you didn't meet it because I didn't tell you than if you didn't meet it and you knew full well. But that's where we have to choose to be adult and we have to choose to be emotionally mature and we have to say I have a better chance of not only having my needs met but also of meeting the needs of somebody else and of building a stronger bond with somebody else if I communicate it. And if I communicate it and they don't do it, I have yet another opportunity to become a better communicator. Help me understand why. Is there something else going on that when I communicated this to you, you didn't meet it? Is it that it's not important to you? And then we have valuable information. Because I know that for some people in my family, where I have met, have I, where I have expressed expectations and they haven't been met, I get to decide what to do with that. I get to decide if I want to step back from that relationship. And we also get to decide where it's worth communi- communicating expectations and where it's not. And there's no right or wrong here. There's no right or wrong. If you decide, you know what, I had an an expectation that I did not communicate, that they did not meet, and I don't want to do the work to have the conversation with them. That's where I'm at with a lot of people, especially people in the close client and friend category. Um, It's... I'm at a point where emotionally, I don't want to have those conversations. Now, are there upsides if I do? Yes. Are there downsides if I don't? Absolutely. But we get to make those choices. We get to make those choices based on our energetic resources and based on what relationships we really want to invest in and what we don't and when we want to invest in them and when we don't and how we feel about the unmet expectation, right? Because I'll be the first one to say, for example, we don't want to feel like we have to set the expectation that we're not going to be physically abused in a relationship, right? It's not like, oh, well, they hit me, but I never told them that wasn't okay. (laughs) You know, some things it's all right to say, I don't feel like I should have to communicate that. But let's be clear that that is the exception and not the rule. That is the exception and not the rule. So if we're talking about, you know, physical abuse, absolutely, that is one of those things that we don't need to verbalize that expectation. There are very, very few other things, but at the same time, 
we get to decide what those are and we get to change our mind. So for me right now to say, you know what, it's not worth it for me to go back to this person and communicate the expectation because I, because I wanted this to be a relationship where like that's the lowest bar, like that's the least amount that I would expect for them. Never. It's not like they didn't, you know, clear the hurdle and get on a plane and come see me. Like, no, that's a high expectation. Like the low bar is, are you okay? What can I do for you? And if you don't want to do the work to communicate that expectation, from my perspective, that's totally okay. But you also can't then be upset about it indefinitely. So where I have decided I'm not going to go back and say, I've been hurt because you didn't meet these expectations that I had that, yes, I realize I didn't communicate to you. When I decide I'm not going to go have that conversation, then I also need to stop perseverating on how they hurt me. That's just fact. You know, to and I and I want to just be so careful in in the examples that I use only because I don't want to upset anybody, I never do. Um there were some people that have been in my life for a long time that I thought I could really count on to step up um and 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 do things in the community that we've created together while I was in the throes of grief, and they didn't. And I used that instead to say, okay, that, that relationship just wasn't what I thought it was, and that's okay. And I'm choosing not to say, hey, I had this expectation, but as I make that choice, I also need to set down I can't believe that they didn't show up for me. I really thought they would have. I've got to work on letting that go. And letting it go is just about where you allow your attention to rest. Yes, my mind goes back to it probably most days. I think about how surprised I was. But it's also really powerful information to know, you know what? That relationship just isn't what I thought that it was. And I'm glad to know that. I could try to make it better by communicating and having these conversations. And in a lot of cases, I have. But in the cases where I haven't, in the cases where you aren't willing to say, oh yeah, I didn't communicate that expectation and I should, if you're not going to do that, then you don't get to sit and spin on how pissed off you are, you know? So when my mind goes to my disappointment and my surprise and my sadness that that friendship isn't what I thought that it was, I remind myself, look, I can address this and I chose not to. So if I chose not to, I've got to let it go. And then I turn my attention to something else, whether that is the workout I'm about to go do or it is somebody else who really did show up for me. But I would encourage you in most cases to use it as an opportunity to communicate the expectation and also to own that maybe you haven't met their expectations. So in the cases where I've said, I had this expectation and I didn't tell you about it. And maybe that's why you didn't meet it, but it really hurt me. I also say, I'm sure I haven't met some of your expectations and I'd love for you to tell me what they are because when we do that, we get better. And I try to do that, especially with Chris, because these conversations happen a lot of time with the people that we're closest to. I had an expectation that you would do this and you didn't, but I didn't tell you. So I'm telling you now, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like that's something you can work on? And also, 
I know that I fail to meet expectations that you have or that maybe there are expectations you have that we haven't talked about, that you haven't verbalized to me. Can we do that now? Or oftentimes with Chris, he, want, he wants some time to think about it. Like in the moment, he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not having this conversation right now. Okay, well, can we do it this week? And I'll often do, because I usually want to have the conversation right now. That's just my style. I want to get it out there. I want to get it over with. I want to move beyond it. Not everybody's like that. So if they say, I don't know, I'm not sure. Well, could we have this conversation again, like within the next week? And then I'll follow up after a couple of days. And is this a good time? Or do you know when it would be a good time? And I try to put a time cap on the conversation. And we're not going to sit for hours, especially I find with men, they fear that these conversations are just going to turn into this big, long thing. Can we, can we sit down for 10 minutes without the TV on and it won't go beyond 10 minutes? And we don't have to dive deep into each thing, right? I don't need like a big long explanation and I don't need to defend myself. I just need to hear what the expectations are. So part of becoming a better communicator is not just saying, well, here's what I want. It's also saying, I, I own the fact that I might not be meeting yours. I see this all the time with my clients and there's, there's a couple that stand out to me who continuously don't have their expectations met by their family. But they also don't verbalize the expectation and they take no ownership for where they're not meeting the expectations of the other person. And this goes back to something we talk about a lot, which is having yourself at the center of the story. And I, I remember a conversation with my sister um, in the month since Dagny died. And I said, I'm really trying to be cognizant of if I'm just, you know, making this all about me. Do I have me at the center of the story? And I told her how it feels to me is that I have Dagny at the center of the story. And I wanted to feel like Dagny was more honored and respected and shown up for. But I said to her, tell me if you think that this is just me making it about me. And oftentimes we're just so focused in on what somebody else did wrong that we can't stop to say, Am I just making this about me? What does it look like if this is about you? You know, and, and, I've, and when I've express, expressed expectations that haven't been met, I've asked, tell me your perspective. What were you thinking? What contributed to your, your decision? Not like, why'd you screw up? But what was going on for you that made you decide to do that or to not do that? But it's such a powerful thing, and I want to acknowledge at every step that it is powerful. It's also painful, and that's okay. That pain can be used to make things better. See it as information. You're not a victim when your expectations are not met. Either you didn't communicate them, or you didn't communicate them honestly or often enough, or it's informative for you to tell you what it is that you want to create, or what kind of relationships aren't the relationships that you want. My life feels one million times smaller now than it did before Dagny died. And a big part of that is just because Dagny's not here, right? But a lot of it is because of unmet expectations. And while that is sad and painful, I also see it as a massive, massive gift because from those expectations came so much clarity on the kind of relationships I want in my family, for my family, my family that exists and the family I hope to create and for my friends. And it has made me a much better communicator. It has made me a much better communicator. You are not a victim 
of unmet expectations. They are an opportunity for you. You also have to look at what assumptions that you are making because unmet expectations can become really damaging when we make assumptions that people don't care or people aren't kind or people try to hurt us. And that, I think, is where you need to do maybe the majority of the work. Where am I making assumptions here? And if you can't turn off the assumptions, then you need to have the communication. You know, I said earlier that there are some cases where I've decided not to express my communications because right now where I'm at and what I feel and what I have the energy for, it it doesn't include having those conversations with some people. But I have to recognize if I'm making assumptions. If I'm making assumptions that they just don't care about me and that they wanted to hurt me or whatever, then I need to have that conversation, right? Because the assumption is a relationship killer and it's a peace killer. It doesn't just kill the relationship with the other person. It kills your relationships with other people. If we are people who make assumptions about the motives of others, then we have a ton of communication work to do. Sometimes I'll say to Chris, in my head I'm creating this story that um, it's not important to you or that you don't care, you know? And I'm saying it that way because I'm recognizing the assumption that I'm making. And I know that if I continue to do that, it it kills relationships. It kills relationships with that person, but also with other people. Because if we make assumptions about one person, we make assumptions about other people. So if you find yourself making assumptions about their motives, their feelings, whatever, have more conversations. Read the book, The Four Agreements. Making no assumptions is one of the hardest things that I've found in self-development, but it's also one of the most freeing things because we can create some nasty, ugly, painful stories just out of assumptions. And that is, it has to stop. It has to stop. And it can either stop through your own mental discipline and your own honesty and awareness with yourself, just recognizing when you've straight up invented something from things you don't know. Or it also can stop from communication. But one, one way to do it is to just verbalize it the way that I said that I do with Chris. You know, I'm telling myself this story that and give people an opportunity to give you the facts instead of you just running away with a story. The other tool that I think we can put into place when we're dealing with unmet expectations is am I showing up the way that I hoped that they would? To go back to uh, some of my clients who complain about their families all the time, but, but, I, but I see both sides because I have relationships with multiple people in that same situation. Um, they are showing up in the same way that they're criticizing the other person for, right? So if you are upset because somebody's not being a great friend to you, Are you being a great friend to them in the way that you want them to be a great friend to you? If you, you might be able to hear that Chris clearly started the tractor. I don't know if you guys can hear that or not, but it's really loud on my end. Um, Anyway, if you want somebody to be sensitive and present and considerate and you feel upset that they aren't, are you being sensitive and present and considerate in that same way? 
There's so many tools and so many options with unmet expectations. But if we just stomp our feet and have our feelings hurt and, you know, take our toys home and sit alone and pout, we're not getting all of the value that comes from these unmet expectations. Sometimes with unmet expectations, we begin to criticize other people. And I've noticed that in myself in the last few months since Dagny died. I noticed that in myself every day since Dagny died, criticizing specific people. And I use a lot of energy on that, even if it's only for five minutes. Emotionally, that's a lot of energy. It's a lot of negativity. And so one of the tools and the opportunities that comes when you're aware that you're doing this is to use the energy to create what it is that you want. So instead of using energy to criticize family that still hasn't shown up for us, still, I get to use that energy to create relationships with people who do, with people who are, with people who will. And I just, I guess I want to wrap up with the reminder that this isn't easy work. But neither is being disappointed. Neither is having your feelings hurt. Neither is walking away from relationships. So we get to decide what we do with unmet expectations. Do we use them as tools to create what we want, to become better communicators, to build the life that reflects the things that are important to us? Or do we stomp our feet, tell ourselves, Life's not fair, people are mean, people are bad, and just make our lives smaller and smaller and smaller. Every single unmet expectation is an opportunity. It really is an opportunity because we get to use that to say, what is this telling me that I really want? What is this telling me is very important to me? What is this telling me I want or need more of in my life? What is this telling me about what I need to communicate to somebody that I love or how I need to improve our closeness or our understanding of each other. It's not always easy, but not doing the work is even harder. We can't expect ourselves from other people, but when there is a gap between what we expect and what we experience, we are being given a gift to improve ourselves, to improve our relationships, and to improve our lives. Thanks so much for listening to the Primal Potential Podcast, where our goal is not to help you learn. Our goal is to help you change. This is a year of action. Take something you learned from this episode and put it into action in your life today. To learn more about working more closely with me and the Primal Potential team, please visit primalpotential.com forward slash transform. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.